Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast. I'm your host, Camarie Woodmer, and today I am excited to be doing a podcast that is going to help everyone. And by that, I mean the people who have been involved for a long time and the very beginners. So we are going to talk about Rodeo 101 and how those who are just getting started can learn things and things that maybe people who have been involved in a long for a long time don't really think about and so they can be more inclusive and be more helpful to those who are just getting started because at the end of the day we're all in this together and the more inviting and the more welcoming we are the more this industry is going to grow the more friends we get to have the more memories we get to make and the bigger impact we get to make on the world because I'm pretty biased but I do believe that the western and rodeo way of life is one of the best and our country needs more of it. So stay tuned for the Rodeo 101 podcast. Welcome to the RodeoKids.com podcast, where we empower youth to be their best selves through the values and traditions of the rodeo and Western lifestyle. Hey, hey, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the RodeoKids.com podcast for another week and another episode. We are excited to share some of the basic knowledge and things to consider. I did not realize that there is so much to this industry until I sat down one day, and this is just Rodeo 101 basics. I sat down one morning after it was brought to my attention that there were a lot of people who just didn't even know where to get started. And it was in the morning and I typed for like eight hours straight and wasn't even close to getting done with everything that there is to think about when you're just getting started in rodeo. So it's diverse and it's complex and there is no book that just tells you how to do any of it really. I mean, it was brought to my attention and I've never really thought about it because I grew up in a rodeo family. So even though maybe I, as a kid, didn't know what was going on. My parents knew the general gist of things because they had rodeoed professionally and amateur rodeos. And when I got into youth rodeo, they had friends and a community and they knew who to ask and what to expect. And it was just a pretty easy transition for us. But once I started really thinking about like, if you're just to get started in rodeo or youth rodeo, like you pretty much maybe meet a friend who can tell you a little bit about it. And then after that, you just jump in, like you go enter a rodeo. Or maybe you stop in and you watch a couple, but for you to really figure out how to become a participant, most people are jumping in cold turkey because they don't realize that, oh, we need to get lessons first, or maybe we can go to a clinic, or maybe we should watch first because they just don't know. And so those of us who are very involved in the industry, we get to become more inclusive and more welcoming and take the time to educate these people because they want to be in it and their kids love it and they're thriving for it and they just don't know where to start and unfortunately I've heard too that there's a lot of people who feel like they get in this industry and there's families and individuals that they try to talk to and they've got so much going on and I understand everybody's busy at a youth rodeo or at a junior high, high school, any rodeo, but a lot of people who are just getting started are feeling like they're being slighted, like people are too impatient to talk to them. When they ask a question, they're feeling like those of us who know the answers 
are looking at them like they're dumb. And that's not always the case, but I just want to put that out there so that we can take a step back and ask ourselves, are we taking the extra 30 seconds to answer questions? Are we taking the extra 60 seconds to five minutes to welcome these people? Are we going out of our way to make sure that their kids are understanding when they're up and what it means and just taking the extra time. If we'll just do that, then we can make a big difference. So that's what I have for those of us who are involved in the industry. And now I'm just going to go over some of the things to think about, some tips, um, some things to consider, and some things that those of us who already know can make sure that we put out there so that we can help others um, who are just getting started. So the basics. First of all, this is an awesome lifestyle. Like I had to put that little bit in there about don't be rude, take the time. But I would say in my experience, 98.9% of people in this industry are good-hearted, hardworking, genuine people who want to see you succeed. Yes, we have our bleacher gossip people. Yes, we have the negative Nancys. Like, we're still humans. But I do believe that um, deep down, everybody has a good heart and they're there for the right reasons. So make sure that when you sign up for this, that you just dive in. You know, get in there, ask questions, and the quicker, just like anything, the quicker that you get involved, the quicker you'll adapt and learn. And don't forget to ask questions. Um, you know, it can be overwhelming. So take notes if you need to. If you don't get an answer from one person, just keep asking just because one people, one person might be having a bad day or sometimes there's just the person that you ask is the one person that has like five kids entered in everything and they really just don't have time because there's so much going on. So uh, just don't be afraid to ask more than one person. And if the first shuts you down, just keep on going. It'll be fine. When it comes to getting started with horses, make sure that you start with the been there, done that horse. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see made for novice people um, who are just getting started is that they buy a horse that they think, oh, my kid can grow up with this horse. Well, that would be like your kid growing up with your best friend, their best friend, and being like, oh, she's four, he's four, he can be her teacher through the rest of life. Well, we know that that's not going to work very well. Horses' minds develop a lot like kids' minds. So when they're two, three, four, five years old, they're young. They're in their elementary stages. They are not ready to take care of your child. Now, are there some gems out there that are? Yes, but unless you are very experienced and you have experienced people around you to help your child get to where they need to go with this horse, you're much better off finding an old teacher or a babysitter, a horse that knows what its job is so that your kid can learn the job that the kid needs to do as well. For instance, when I was little, um, I was like four or five years old, and my parents went out and they found me this 18-year-old retired sway-backed horse, and he was an awesome horse. His name was Wheels, and as long as I was present in the run, he would make a good run, and if I wasn't, he would make these big barrels and go all over the place, but if I just even picked up my rein and he knew that I was paying attention to what I was doing, then he would turn the barrels better. So that was a really good lesson for me just to be present, but the horse knew what he was doing. Um, I, Like I said, if I was present, he it just made it better. So 
doing something like that, whether you're roping or running barrels or poles, whatever it is, just something that's going to teach you, teach your child and give you the confidence to get to the next level is really important because otherwise we just beat our head against the wall. And it's like, I know what I want this horse to do, but I don't really know how to make them do it. It's kind of like a person with no education going in to substitute teach a school or a classroom. You know, those people are like, oh my gosh, like how do I keep these kids in order? How do people do it day after day after day? Gets to be the same way with our kids and horses. So get a babysitter. That's one of the best pieces of advice you'll ever get. Um, when it comes to your rough stock events, I highly recommend going and Going before you start anything, you know, go to a youth rodeo, go to a pro rodeo, uh, and just watch, watch, and ask questions, and get to know who's who, and see if you can find somebody local or within even a three to five hour radius. Sometimes you have to drive a little ways. Who has safe little bucking horses or bulls or whatever it is? Maybe they're not little, but that are good starters and people who can teach you what you need to do to begin with. Because one of the worst things that you can do is get down in that chute and not have a clue what you're doing and get yourself hurt. Um, So just be smart about it and always find somebody who knows more than you um, to coach you to begin with. So Those are just a few things to getting started with the animal side of it. Um, The sooner you can find a coach or lessons, the better. Even if you feel like you know what you're doing, uh, maybe you competed when you were in high school and college, and maybe you're still a competitor, and maybe you're really handy at it. But from my experience, your children will listen better to someone else. In every other sport or activity that they're involved in, they have a coach, an activities director, a youth group leader. They have somebody else teaching them. You get to tell them to pick up their laundry, to make their bed, to clean their room, to eat their food, to feed their horse, to cinch it up, to clean up after themselves, to clean up after their horses, to make sure they've got all this stuff done. I mean, you're constantly telling your kids what to do and hopefully praising them too. But then when we get to the arena and then we're back at it again, those kids just don't feel like they can get a break. And so they get to where they become resistant to listening to parents. Uh, So if you can find somebody who you trust and who you believe knows equally as much or more than you and maybe has a similar coaching style than you as you so that when you do help them, it's not totally different. um, That's a great way to go and highly recommended. And always stay open to advice and constructive criticism, especially if you are somebody who takes it personal. Um, Just try to take a step back from that and say, is this person trying to help me? And 90%, 99% of the time when somebody is offering you help, it's because they care enough to want to see you succeed. So just try to smile, process it. If it hurts your feelings at the time, just take a deep breath. Think about, okay, why is this person telling me this and how can this apply? And maybe it doesn't. So then you just leave it behind. The best thing about somebody else's advice is you don't have to take it. I mean, you can listen to it and then you can decide later if you want to apply it or if you want to recycle it or discard it. So just stay open-minded about that. And remember that how you navigate all of this beginning stuff, and this is just the very basics, but the way that you handle jumping into this uh, lifestyle and those of you who are in it, the way that you handle inviting other people and being open and willing to answer questions is setting an example for everyone who watches you. If we are rude or anything like that, 
that sets an example for the children around us, for the peers around us, around us. Oh, we're too good for new people. And if you're a new person and you get instantly intimidated and walk away and don't ask questions and just dive in, then you are also showing everybody around you that this task is too scary and I'm not willing to overcome my fears to get where I want to go. So make sure when you commit that you stay committed to it and that you go for it because that's what your kids, that's what your peers, that's what your friends need to see you do and that you're not going to let anybody stop you from achieving the goals that you are set on achieving. Okay, now we're going to go on to appreciating the personnel and the people who help. Uh, when you're just getting started, that's one thing to think about and that's often overlooked is that the people that are at most youth rodeos, high school rodeos, junior high rodeos, um, even our pro rodeos, most of those consist of committee members, the people who help, and they're usually free labor um, our gate helpers, sorters, pickup men, bullfighters, secretaries, those guys do get paid a little bit, but not nearly as much as we think. So if we can be kind to them and remember that they're human and appreciate all of the stuff that they do for us, it's going to make the whole weekend a lot smoother because those guys are the backbone of it. They have got to do the work. They've got to keep track of everything. They've got to get everything loaded, do the book work and all of those things. And so if we get all those people all flustered and up in arms and not wanting to be involved or feeling like they're unappreciated, that's when associations start running into problems. So as people who are involved in the industry, um, as competitors, as fans, we need to appreciate the people who put this on and just make sure that we show that and pay it forward um, and offer to help volunteer and just, again, teach teach each other, teach your peers, uh, teach your friends, teach your children to appreciate the people who are going above and beyond to make it all happen and don't take them for granted. No matter if you're just getting started or if you've been at it for a while, make sure everyone knows that you are your own competition. We are striving for the little victories in the run, and the big victories will come in God's timing. Uh, we see a lot of issues when we start focusing on all of the big things and comparison and all those issues, and um, that's when people start to get frustrated. That's when people start to get mean and start to get petty and belittle each other when we forget what we're really there for and that's because we love rodeo and we love the lessons that it teaches and that in due time just like anything in the world um, when you put in the work and you keep going after it and you keep putting God and his purpose first you will have big victories in some way shape or form so just make sure to keep it fun and be kind always um, there will be a little bit of the school of hard knocks no matter what just because it's rodeo and it's new and we're going to do as much as we can to give you some information um, and we're here for you at rodeokids.com to walk you through it uh, just like a new job there's things that you're just going to have to figure out yourself and everybody does it just a little bit differently so just be prepared uh, there is no cookie cutter approach. And lastly, on just basic information is that it is not a money contest. You know, I know sometimes when you pull into these rodeos, you look around, you're like, oh my gosh, like what is going on here? There's no way that I can afford that truck, that trailer. Look at those horses. Oh my goodness. Look at all this stuff. And 
you don't have to. It is not a money contest. When I was in high school rodeo and college rodeo and even now as an adult who's pro rodeoed and done everything, some of the people that I've seen having the most, the very most fun are in the rigs that aren't fancy. They don't pull out even the fanciest horses, but they're horses that they trust. They're horses that the kids can learn on and that they can have fun on and that they can grow on. And as they get better and they prove that they're willing to work at it, then they upgrade. But pulling out a big high dollar horse out of a fancy rig is not important. What's important is that you're learning, you're having fun, you're making memories, and you're putting forth your best effort and trying to get better than the person that you were yesterday every time. So it may look like a competition, but it's not. Like the famous quote in the industry is, it's not what you pull up in or with, it's what you take home with you. So once you've decided that you're sure you want a rodeo and your kids want a rodeo and you are wondering about how much you need to travel, so travel is up to you, but be prepared to travel quite a bit and embrace it. Um, There's going to be a lot of rodeos that are further than what you want to drive, but it'll be worth it. And so much of it is about the memories that you make while you're going. And you can also, one thing that I wish that I would have taken more advantage of, especially when I was going to more pro rodeos, is embracing the things in local communities. Uh, those are the people who put these rodeos on, the sponsors and the people who have breakfasts for you at pro rodeos and whatnot. Um, but the sponsors especially are people who need to see us out and about in the community and every small town has some kind of small town treasure. So if you can find those small town treasures, then it just adds that much more to your trip and gets you that much more cultured. And as I've moved around the country, I have learned so much about how much I appreciate the people everywhere because I've been a lot of places and I've gone into smaller communities and gotten to know a lot of people and heard their stories and you just start to learn that there are good people and cool things to do in every crack and crevice of this world. Um, So just embrace it. There is going to be a lot of it. Um, Sometimes you're going to have a local youth rodeo that's just right down your road, you know, maybe five, 10 miles away. And that is fantastic and take advantage of it. But as you continue to grow, there are opportunities nationwide for your kids to get involved. So just embrace that. Uh, Be prepared for it. And it's going to cost you some money. Just like anything, it's not cheap. Um, When you get into rodeo, I'm not going to say it's more expensive because you can make anything expensive, but there's dang sure a lot that goes with it. Um, so just be prepared for that, but it's worth it. You know, if there's a will, there is a way. Uh, so, um, just set that money aside and there is no shame in kids having a job or doing chores or cleaning yards. Or I saw a sign when I was in St. Paul this last year. Um, and I'm pretty sure it was St. Paul, Minnesota. And there was, signs on every street corner and it said $20 an hour to clean up dog poop in people's yards. And I thought, wow, that is brilliant. What a great job for a kid to get you a little mini fork and go out there and pick up people's dog poop for them. It's not a nice job, but it's a good job. I've heard of different kids going out and offering to clean stalls, $5 a stall or trailers at the rodeos, uh, bake sales, uh, just all kinds of things. Get creative, have a lemonade stand, offer to clean out cars. Um, there's all kinds of things. You know, go to your local stores and say, hey, I'll sweep for you, um, you know, once a week. I just, 
just get, recommend getting creative. And, you know, if, if your children, children, if you want to do this, kids, if you want to do this, it is not your parents' responsibility to bend over backwards to stress and to financially contribute every last dime of their retirement to you if you're not going to contribute a little bit too. Um, this is an opportunity that they don't have to give you. It's not easy for them to give you. And so just make sure that you're putting forth the effort that you're showing how much you care that you are doing your part. And one of my favorite stories to this day is um, with Emily Beisel, Emily Miller Beisel. When I was in college, you know, she rolled up and she had a nice truck and trailer and really nice horses. And I was being the judgmental type. And I thought that her parents probably just handed her everything. And we did a podcast with her a couple years ago that was fantastic. And what I came to find out is that when she was in ninth grade, her parents got her a checkbook and she had to learn how to manage her own checkbook and pay her entry fees and win money or do other jobs to find a way to pay those entry fees. And not that they wouldn't help her out from time to time, but they taught her how to be responsible for her rodeoing at a young age. And there's no reason that you can't do that too. And it's honestly something that I wish that my parents would have done because I've had to learn it a little bit the harder way um, as an adult. Not that my parents didn't help me be aware of it and there were lots of things that I learned, but I didn't learn as much as I could have and wish that I would have. So now you're a little bit more prepared for, you know, you know, it's going to cost a lot. You know, you're going to have to travel and you're still committed. So how do you find an event? We've got Facebook. That's your best um, place to probably go to find events near you. You can Google search uh, youth rodeos, junior high rodeos, high school rodeos. I highly recommend looking up your state's high school or junior high rodeo association, depending on what age you are, and calling the secretary or calling a phone number on there of the president. And if you do your research, you'll be able to find that number because they will know what's available in your state and in your specific area in the state. On Facebook, just search um, like horse events near me or go to your local. You can search for horses in like your region, like Midwest horses for those of us in Iowa or Midwest equine or um state horse events, you know, just get creative with your searches. And I, we do have a bunch of recommendations for things that you can search on the rodeokids.com backslash rodeo 101 page. Whenever you find a event that you're interested in attending, you want to make sure to look up um, how to enter. Usually on the flyer, there should be something. If you don't find any information on how to get pre-registered or we call it entered for the event, then look at the phone number, call them, email them, send them a message on Facebook, whatever you need to do to get a hold of somebody involved in that association. And you'll also want to ask them what the dress code is. Um, most Some will be casual dress where others will be official attire, Western attire with your cowboy hat and boots and everything. So you'll just want to know that beforehand so that you don't get there and not have what you need. Um, you'll want to pay your entry fees and just make sure you show up there at least 45 to 60 minutes to an hour uh, before the event starts because you'll want to pay your entry fees. You'll have to get parked, check out the order, uh, figure out where you need to go, when you need to be there, and all those things. And if you have multiple kids, we highly recommend starting with having more than one adult with you because there's often lots of events happening at once, um, especially if you've got little kids. They do usually like the dummy roping and the stick horse race and the goat tail and tie all kind of run together. And so if you're going to have to be running around helping multiple kids, if you can have a grandma, a grandpa, a friend, a sister that's older, uh, just somebody there who can 
help create a home base and keep everybody in order, that's definitely very helpful at your first rodeo. Usually when you get to the rodeo, when you're going to pay your fees, you're going to look for the rodeo secretary and you're usually going to find her in a crow's nest or an announcer stand or somewhere near the arena because oftentimes your rodeo secretary is going to be your timer as well. And the secretary will take your entry fees and she'll keep track of all of the payouts and everything throughout the day. So she's a great person to know and a great person to be kind to. Um, if you didn't have to pre-enter, this is also where you're going to go and tell her what events you're entering and what you're interested in. Um, if you have any questions, she's a good person to ask or she will know who to refer you to. You'll also want to know what the rules are. And that's something uh, when we talked about calling in or pre-entering or pre-registering, you'll want to know where you can find the rules or what rules book they operate from. A lot of youth rodeo associations are going to um, follow the National High School Rodeo Association rulebook or your state's local amateur rodeo association rulebook. That'll be kind of the general gist of the rules. And they might have some modifications here and there that they have printed out. But I highly recommend reading both of those rule books before you ever get started because you're going to learn so much in those and you can find those links on the website as well. We've got those under the basic rules and that's about the events and you can just click on the link and that will take you directly to those rule books. And the rule books are important to know and all the rules because it is not the judge's responsibility to teach you as you go. Once you're entered, you are responsible for knowing all of that stuff and it's a lot but they're out there and so I just recommend getting those read before you get started to prevent any issues. So now that you're entered, you've paid, everything's good to go, you kind of have a general gist of how the day is going to go, you want to make sure to check the draw. The draw is going to tell you the order in which you compete and what animal you're going to compete on. It might also say that it's going to be shoot run and that means that they're not going to draw numbers or names for the cattle or the horses or the bulls. They're just going to run them in as they load. So that is something that you want to know too because if you draw a certain animal then you have to make sure you compete on that animal and it is your responsibility to know what it is and when you back in the box or get down in the chute it's your responsibility to know that you are going to compete on the correct animal. If the judge makes that mistake, it's still your responsibility to double check with him and ask him to check the number again. Then you're going to want to make sure that you have somebody to pull the flank if you're in a rough stock event. Many times you can just go down to the shoots beforehand or again, ask your secretary or somebody that they refer you to um, who can help out. And most of the time they'll take your kid under their wing and make sure that they have the necessary help. But it is important to be aware of, you know, that you do want somebody there to help them in the shoot if they're getting on a rough stock animal to make sure that, you know, the horse or the bull is looking where they're supposed to, that they're set up in the shoot correctly so that you have the best chance at competing. Um, if you're in a roping event, you're going to want somebody more often than not to either push or tail your calf or steer so that it leaves the chute when you nod. Um, what happens if we don't have a pusher or somebody to be on the tail is we nod and we think that that calf's going to leave and then they don't because there's nobody behind them saying, okay, go. Um, so that's somebody that you're going to want to have. Again, if they know that you're new, you can usually just go down and say, hey, I'm new to this or my kid's new to this. Can you please help them out? We're not really sure what we need or who to ask. Um, 
So just look for somebody. You can also just look for people who are doing it and say, hey, will you will you be, uh, will you you be push my calf too? And 99% of the time they'll say yes, or they'll help you find somebody who will. And then you're also going to want somebody to be on the head of the calf or steer. A lot of times the shoot guy will also help with this, but if you can have somebody there to make sure that the calf or steer is looking straight out of the shoot, that's going to increase your odds of catching and having a good start. Um, if they don't, then that calf or steer can turn their head to the side or they'll drop down on their knees and just all kinds of things can happen. So having those people just definitely helps. The last person in the roping or steer wrestling events that you're going to want is a liner. And this person's going to stand 10 to 15 feet out from the boxes in the arena. And this person's going to help keep that calf or steer running straight so that again, we increase our catch percentage and it keeps our cattle better for future runs. For the barrels and poles, you shouldn't quite need as many people. Um, if you aren't sure how your horse is going to react going in the gate, or maybe you just need somebody there for your kid to help keep them calm, you can ask for somebody to help lead you in or just be there for them to give them some advice or keep them cool before they go in. Um, it's important to know that when you have somebody walking or leading your rider in, um, most rule books are going to say that your helper cannot cross the a center alley or the gate, like where the, the gate opens and closes, you have to stay behind that, especially in like high school rodeo. If you cross that, you can cause your child to be disqualified. Your youth rodeos, junior rodeos, those are often a little bit more lax on those rules. And it does depend on if you're talking about the peewees or the senior class, that makes a difference too. But those are just things to think about before you enter um, your first rodeo. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that you can look up. Um, we've got, I mean, just a, an entire page full of stuff that's going to continue growing. And if you are somebody who is new to rodeo or you have a question or somebody who's been involved in it for a long time, we have the suggest a tip uh, on the bottom of the Rodeo 101 page. You can also ask questions here so that we have some more um, ideas as to what we can put up here to help you guys get started because we want you to be involved. So check it out. It's on rodeokids.com backslash rodeo 101 or just go to rodeokids.com and click on the Rodeo 101 tab. Thank you for tuning in to the RodeoKids.com podcast. If you know anybody who is just getting started or interested in getting started, make sure you send this podcast to them so that they can learn about the ins and outs of rodeo and some things they need to think about. And also the RodeoKids.com Rodeo 101 link. There's a lot of awesome information there and it's a good opportunity for you to refresh your mind on some of the tools and tricks and rules of rodeo as well. So take a look at that and send your friends and family over there. Don't forget to give us a like, a share, a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok.